Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hehe. And I'm Mandy. And today we are going to be diving into nurses who say some sort of iteration of, I've been a nurse for X amount of years. And therefore, you should trust me. You should do what I say. You should be quiet. All of those are things I've actually heard in the birth room. And I recently, blissful social media, I recently had a couple nurses land in my comments and my DMs claiming to be more knowledgeable and have more authority than people in the comments than me and seemingly their patients. And so my question is, when you hear someone say, well, I've been a nurse for 33 years, what does that mean to you? Because for me, as a doula, my perspective is, wow, that is one stagnant career. Like that stagnation in its highness, like, what have you been doing for the last 33 years that you've not changed jobs at all? Like you've been, you've been a nurse in, in this field, in, in this job, you like, you haven't climbed the ladder. I suppose, I don't know if you have changed hospitals or systems or even states, but it just really makes me wonder like what is going on there. But as a patient perspective, they're like, Ooh, I'm with the experts of experts, but that's not always true. Some of the worst nurses I have ever seen and some of the meanest nurses I have ever seen are nurses who say things like, I've been a nurse for 15 years, right? And for me, it's it. I always question like, okay, then you should be the absolute best nurse I have ever seen in my life. You should blow me away. I should walk out of here wanting to change career paths and be a nurse because you literally changed my life. I'm talking no unconsented procedures. I am talking no traumatic or fear-based language. I am talking everything is evidence-based. You know your job. I mean, you're up to date. You're not traumatizing people. You're not up in the Pitocin. You are letting these people make their own choices. You're advocating when providers are abusing and manipulating. You're not afraid to speak up. You're a leader. 
that's what that means. You are perfect because you're the one who's flaunting all of your years of experience. So if you're not perfect after 33 years, what the heck are you doing? So Mandy, my question to you is like, how does it feel being this person's colleagues and or I guess do do these nurses hold that over colleagues' heads? Is that something you see kind of unilateral? Oh yeah, for sure. I think nurses in the older generation. So if you've been a nurse for 30 years, you're in an older generation. Um, they value that, right? Hey, I mean, there's no value on old. It just is morally neutral, right? How many uh, people are so offended? I'm not in the older generation. <laughs> okay, well you are, and it's not bad. It's just a thing. It's, it's great. Like you, if you're flaunting that you've been a nurse for 30 years and you're flaunting that you can be the parent of the person that's birthing or the grandparent of the person that's birthing, it's just, it's just numbers. It's just math. There's no moral or, you know, number to it, value to it. So if you're in an older generation, I do think that that is um, valued to like get a job, be proficient at the job, stay at the job, get the pension, you know, get, um, whatever that's called when you like get the pension, you're vested. And then you are, um, you know, committed to that company that is valued. And so it means something different to other generations where that is not valued. It's valued to find something you're passionate about and a place where you're respected and valued. And those don't mean the same thing. I've been in a place for 30 years does not mean I continue my, my continuing education and I am passionate about what I do. It doesn't mean that I'm up to date on all of the new research evidence and I'm practicing. My practice has changed and evolved over 30 years. It just literally means I have gotten a paycheck from this company for 30 years and that's not valued the same it's really interesting to hear your perspective from the doula and from the patient. And I do understand that patients, clients often revere, like, it's kind of like, um, I always think of it as like demanding respect when someone pulls that card, they're like, you should treat me in a certain way, or you shouldn't question me because I've been a nurse for 30 years. Like, it confused me when I heard that the first time, because I heard it from someone who is crotchety, grouchy, rude, um, inflexible, demanding. They didn't always have a great relationship with the provider and they were super manipulative and not trauma informed. And so when they were like, I've been a nurse for 30 years, I would be like, what do I do with that? Does that, <laughs> what does that mean to you? I didn't understand as a new nurse. I was like, uh, so do better. Why are you saying that to me? <laughs> when patients hear it, I've heard their stories of like, oh my gosh, I, t I got taken care of by, or my nurse was like Donna. And, and when she was taking care of us with our last baby, like she told us she'd been a nurse for so long and we felt so comfortable because she was so experienced. And I was like, my, my next question immediately was like, oh, interesting. How was that for you? Right? Like that doesn't mean jack shit unless they listened to you. They respected you. They advocated for you. All the things that you just said, he, he. So I would ask like, how was it? And often they would have mixed reviews or sometimes they've just felt 
taken care of in a like, you know, taken care of way. Um, but they never, I, I, I just tried to open that up to like, it's okay if there was a piece missing, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? It doesn't mean what maybe that person felt like it meant. I, um, I would have patients ask me, how long have you been doing this? Right. And it was out of curiosity. I think they were kind of like comparing what they guessed I was doing it for. Um, I don't know. They would sometimes like say something about my age, like, Oh, I thought you were younger or I thought whatever. Um, changed of course, as I went along that, um, my journey of 12 years, but the best compliment to me was not, Oh, wow. You've been doing this for a long time. It was before anyone even asked how long I was doing it. They would, they would say, wow, I can tell you really love this. Right. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't, it was like morally neutral, like being in birth, which is what I do as a nurse, but like any part of nursing isn't like the best job ever, right? It doesn't have to be the best for everyone, but if you really love it or you really, you know, they were getting this energy of, wow, you're really present or wow, you really take this seriously or wow, you're really respecting us right now. Wow. You're being creative. Those were all really better compliments to me than, oh, wow, you've been doing this for a really long time. That, yeah. Yeah. That's not a compliment in my mind, I suppose. Um, but I do see how patients might think that is when I leave and I leave like really good nurses, I usually I'll point out specific things. So I might Mm -hmm. say like your idea to blow into a straw and water to get her to release her bladder was brilliant. Mm -hmm. That was like such a game changer. Thank you so much. Um, and then I'll also say like, you made us feel safe and supported. Like you made Mm -hmm. all of us feel safe and supported. Like I want them to know what makes you a good nurse, Mm -hmm. right? I want you to walk away with solid examples of, okay, the toilet thing was awesome. But when she said, I made them feel safe and supported, like, oh my God, my heart fell up. Right. Right. That's what I want them to be like, wow, that's what they're looking for. Cool. So I can take this to everybody else. Um, It's really fun when I get to work with good nurses over and over again. Um, So there are a ton of nurses in, I'm in the Boston area, but there are a ton of nurses in the Boston area and the Rhode Island uh, area too that know me. And so when I walk in, they're all like, hey, 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 hey. And it's just super fun and collaborative. And that is so indicative of the units and the unit morales. And you can tell the nurses that love their jobs and the people that don't love their jobs and the units that don't have that morale, you're much more likely to get nurses that, that like want to pull rank on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are you correlating the, I've been a nurse for 33 years as pulling rank? Definitely. You're trying to say that you're the smartest person in that room. Yeah. no, that's not true. You are probably the most experienced person in this room, but that birthing person literally knows the best out of everybody. And you can't say anything other than that. That would be (laughs) insane to think that you could make choices for someone else's body when they're literally experiencing something. That's crazy. 
And again, I do believe that's the stagnation. You have been in your position for so long and you just see people run through the doors over and over and over. You come in, you do your shift, you go home, you do it again. You have lost the human part of all of this. Not because you've been a nurse that long and not because you've been on the same unit or in that department that long. I think it's because of trauma. Mm. Right? Nurses, healthcare workers, they experience trauma more often, right? We've talked about this on, a, on the podcast more often than um, other emergency professionals. Yeah, but I think too that part of it is the stagnation because if you and your nurse manager are buddies and y'all are getting drinks every Friday and you and your admin have been working together, they had they weren't there for your first six years, but you guys have been together for 26 years or I guess 27 <laughs> years, whatever that math is. You know, uh, you can do whatever you want, probably. You're not going to get fired, right? right? Your right. colleagues can literally write a million letters. They can all complain about you. And on Friday nights, you and your nurse manager and maybe your admin are probably going out to make fun of them. Oh. And we all know that happens, right? right? Like those are conversations that nobody wants to have, but it's happening behind the scenes. And that's what I'm talking about. As part of that is stagnation. You need to go to a different unit. You need to go to a different facility. You need to either get a promotion or step into a new role or you got to do something. You Challenge yourself. There's no, there's no push for that. There's no demand for challenging, um, someone that's been in that role and it's pretty exhausting. I'll just say, Hey, nurses, I see you. Like we have to learn new programs all the time, new technology all the time. Policies are always changing. Evidence is always changing. Um, what patients are demanding is always changing. That does keep us learning. So being stagnant is still like keeping up. If you've been a nurse for 33 years, holy shit, like you went from paper charting to, like you could have been, um, would you, would that be like a hospital program? Like some nurses that I worked with, um, were completely trained by the hospital. And so they have a totally different perspective on what a nurse is and what our non-negotiables should be and how advocacy works because they are helper nurses. That's what we talk about. Um, he, he, we were, um, discussing briefly before we started recording about the trauma-informed birth nurse program. And we talk about helper nurses and how we're all, trained to be helper nurses and how that's fine, but it's really often advocating for the hospital and for the provider. And absolutely when a hospital trained nurse comes in, they have to fully shift their understanding of what a nurse is from when they trained as hospital nurses, because they were actually hospital helpers. And so is that a training that people get? Is that a training that you like if you were trained before this year you need to take an updated training to like learn the new nurse role or are these nurses who've been nurses for 33 years just expected to like change with the times after what has been ingrained in them 33 right. years ago is what they know yeah it is um yeah training <laughs> it is trauma-informed care is, is what that training is. And it's the new standard of nursing. It is, um, trauma-informed advocate nurse is the new standard of care. Of course, that's coming from me and trauma-informed educator, but that's what I believe. I believe it is the new standard of care. We're not helper nurses anymore. We are not centering the provider's priorities and wishes. We are not centering the hospital's, um, bottom line. If we are patient advocates, 
we are centering the patient and it is a total shift from what we've been taught inside of nursing school, which is often owned by hospitals, right? Inside of hospitals, they give you the training and it's totally a conflict of interest in your nurse non-negotiables in the, um, American nurse associations, non-negotiable list of what nurses are and what we should be prioritizing. It's a total conflict of interest to then be completely trained by the hospital who also employs the physicians and the providers who elevates. We can all attest to this, that the priorities lie with the provider and with the physician. If they're going to back somebody up, it's often going to be with the provider, especially physicians. You can tell that in our staff meetings, who gets food, who doesn't get food who gets coffee, who doesn't get coffee, right? Who gets pay raises, who doesn't get pay raises? Yes, I know your shocked face is on right now, but we all know who the who the priority is. That's even medical students over overseas nurses and staff nurses. It is in our face constantly. This is why, can we please have this beer next episode? This is why nurses are striking. It is constantly in our face that we are a warm body here to maintain the hospital's bottom line, which is to bring in profit for their CEOs, their execs, their boards, and their stockholders if they are public, publicly traded. It is not to support the nurses giving care to prioritize the patient. That is not what healthcare is right now. So it is always in our face, even those little, like, I won't call them microaggressions um, because those, are, I just think that word is reserved for um, other topics, specifically racism, but aggressions, like we are constantly reminded that we are at the bottom of the totem pole. So we have no reason to be prioritizing, right? Hospital bottom lines. We have no reason to be prioritizing provider. We don't work for the provider. Nurses are specifically and uniquely here for centering patients, advocating for what they want, how they want to be treated, their care, what's right for them, and identifying that the patients are the experts in their care. And that is the nurse's role. So yes, I do think that it's a total switch from helper nurse to advocate nurse. It's totally possible no matter how long you've been doing it, but um, yeah, it's not going to happen magically by osmosis and the hospitals are not teaching it right now. No. Okay, but you are. So tell us about your trauma-informed program um, for nurses. What are you teaching and why, like who, who is right for this program? Why would someone sign up for this program? Because I, I really just don't believe Brenda that's been a nurse for 33 years is going to sign up for this. <laughs> well, I didn't know that this is <laughs> going to turn into this, but I'm uh, happy for it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, so I have a story from one of our nurses in the program. So the nurses in trauma-informed birth nurse is just L and D. So just labor and delivery, perinatal, postpartum, antenatal nurses around childbirth is what trauma-informed birth nurse is for right now. And it is a three month, um, kind of intensive hands-on program where you're relearning and unlearning and moving forward, being the nurse advocate that you became a nurse to be. It's all this like talk in nursing school. It's how they get us in. Like, you'll always have a job and you're going to advocate for the patient, do what the patient wants. And that's not really what turns out to be the case. So we really dig into tough questions um, regarding what is advocacy? What is your priority? What is your responsibility all the way through to um, what is your power and privilege at the bedside? Um, What is your responsibility in systemic racism? What is your responsibility in 
your biases and it's not an anti-racism course, but we do touch on a lot of um, power and privilege of the nurse because the story goes, oh my gosh, I'm just the nurse. I have no agency. And then like every patient doula, everyone outside of that will tell nurses, oh my gosh, you can make so much change at the bedside. You're so important. So we have to really step into that and own what, what is the change that we can make and how do we start taking action? It's a very, very actionable program, but also self-reflective. And like, what are we bringing into this specifically traumas and specifically biases and specifically how we've been treated for the past forever, what we do believe about our patients and what that toxic culture has done for our inner voice as well. And so right now it's individual nurses and um, rolling out to hospital units. So the folks that have been there for longer period of time, if they're not ready to do this on their own, it's coming to your hospital or coming anyway, it's coming to your hospital (laughs) trauma informed care. It's there are benchmarks right now, currently for every hospital. And I believe that it will be a requirement that we all go forward with this education and this standard of care and practice. It is what patients are asking and demanding for right now. They're coming in with tons of information and they're saying, I heard this, what's this? Um, and we dismiss them by saying, oh, you heard that from Dr. Google Q. It is toxic AF. So we're done with all that shit. We're listening to the patient what they want, because that's how we're going to keep folks safe and help them stay safe and be healthy because our track record is abysmal right now. So we got to change something drastically in order to help us birthing folks survive childbirth and medical system. So right now it's for individuals. One of our participants, labor and delivery nurse for a long time, even a charge nurse, right? These are leadership roles where they're educators, they're charge nurses, they're um, faculty at uh, nursing schools. Um, we have new nurses. We have nurses that just shift into, shifted into LD and they're like, my head is spinning. I can't fucking do this. I'm in crazy town. What do I do? They're taking um, this program to try to see how am I going to be able to align my values and my patients' values with the care that I can provide at the hospital. And we talk legal, we talk all the ways that, you know, all the barriers that you're already thinking. So this nurse was in office hours recently and she said, I am integrating what I'm learning. I'm integrating what is consent, what is fully informed consent, what is refusal? How do I chart this? How does it look in my patient care every single day with every single intervention? And she said, now I see it. I see a lack of it in the nurses that have been here. And she said, the nurse that's been here for 35 years, she said, she is my leader, right? I look up to her. She always has this answers for things. She always has stats for things and evidence for things. And both of them recognized it together on one shift recently where the participant in the program, I'll call her Brenda. No, that the other person's Brenda. I'll call her Susan. Susan was, um, saying was helping inside of Brenda's room. And Susan was like asking consent about an IV and about a blood pressure and just really talking through information and the education around it with the patient for an extended period of time. And Brenda recognized, oh my gosh, you've been talking to my patient way longer than I have. And I've had her all day. And they were both like, oh shit. Suddenly the roles have switched. And Susan is a much more educated, informed, respected, trustworthy 
right? Hair flip. Thank you. Trauma-informed nurse. And Brenda is in the role of, but I've been here forever and I don't even know what kind of, what magic is happening right now. I don't even understand. And that patient undoubtedly gravitated towards Susan, right? Opened up to her, relaxed around her. She got information out of her that no one has ever known before. It wasn't in her chart. It's what we're asking for as patients. It's what patients are asking for, especially in that vulnerable time of childbirth specifically. So that's what the program is about. And that's what the participants are recognizing. And it's like, that'll F you up real quick. They go back and they're like, everything I knew I have to twist around. And so it takes some time to work through that. So for patients, this is going to be so positive. I'm like, so giddy thinking about this as a (laughs) I call this the new wave and I always say like we're the new wave and we're here like mm-hmm. the wave is coming and we're crashing in so get ready right yeah. this um yeah this is just going to be so good for patients and I hope that we can start to attach the label of good nurse and good provider to the actual care that they give, right? And the experience that we have while under their direct care and also the feelings that we have afterwards that are connected to the care that they gave. That's how I would like to define um, a good provider and a good nurse. How do you actually leave your patients, um, hopefully, in a better condition than how you found them because birth is something that transforms you in a good way. And so if we can leave that process alone, for the most part, it will do its work itself. And I think that's how we can start to kind of weed out good and bad, good and bad providers. I'm super stoked about this new wave of maternity care. And I'm so grateful for programs like the trauma-informed nurse program. And we'll link that for you guys to in the the show notes. So you can take a look at that if you would like. Patients, I hope, or clients, birthing people, (laughs) pregnant people, you can see we're also learning the new language. (laughs) Hey, here's the wave and we're here, right? Um, Birthing people, pregnant people who are listening, people who've just had babies and maybe your nurse used this. I've been a nurse for 33 years card. I hope we opened your eyes to a different perspective that you will consider going forward. And I hope that when you get into your L and D room, that you have a nurse that respects you and explains everything like Susan and ask your consent before even touching your body, um, that they want you to really understand what you're doing so that you can be in control of the choices. Those are the nurses that are really going to change our lives. If you don't have that, you should ask for a new nurse because those nurses are out there. Mandy is a prime example. Mandy's friends are prime examples. And now Mandy is out there training them and pumping them out to us. And I'm, I'm super grateful for this. So Mandy, thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. I'm excited that we, we dove into this. I think it's really important for people to separate the idea of years of experience with actual um, or from actual competency, because those two are very, very different. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Hehe. This was this was a cool topic and inspired by. I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning, but inspired by Dr. Midwife, right? Yeah, yeah. She put up something um, making fun of of nurses who use the card, and um, we just kind of you can scroll through the comments, and we all just kind of recognize like these nurses can be more harmful than they are good, and it made me wonder how it was working with these people, and I was like, wow, this is. 
Mandy and I could chat about this. So yeah, Dr. Stephanie Mitchell, if you guys don't follow her, it's at Dr. Midwife on Instagram. She's awesome. She does a ton of really important work um, that I feel like I could spend three years telling you all the things that she does and still not cover it. She does so much, primarily the birth sanctuary down in Alabama, um, which we too can link in the show notes for you guys to check that out. Yeah, for sure. So if she's listening, um, Hey, come on, this is your invite. We will talk about your book next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the pulse check podcast. Thanks. He, he, we will see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.